Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the account given to us of Luke of Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus clearly is obedient, obedient to the law, to the very end. Even from the cross, we see him keeping the commandments. And one of the commandments we see him keeping clearly today is the second commandment. Our Lord demanded that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Luther explains this commandment, telling us what God desires, how he desires us to use the name of God, to use it in every trouble, prayer, praise, and to give thanks. And we see Jesus doing this, even the while others are breaking this commandment. But we keep in mind as we look to the cross that Jesus is keeping this and all these commandments for our benefits. It is only in him keeping these commandments of God that he can take the punishment that we deserve. And to the end, that is what he does. But it is interesting to think about how our Lord keeps this commandment when it is broken all around him. The things that are spoken about Jesus from the cross or to him on the cross are cruel, demeaning, even of themselves. Listen again what that said. He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now keep in mind, these words are spoken to Jesus, but Jesus is Lord. He is God in the flesh. And to mock him, to ridicule him, to take his name in vain is indeed blasphemous. It is sinful. What they are doing there at the foot of the cross is breaking God's commands. There is cursing, there is lying, there is deceiving in the titles of our Lord, in this mocking and ridicule. There's an irony there, isn't it? As we see these being so blasphemous, even the leaders doing this, keep in mind, what was the charge that the Jewish leaders gave to Jesus? One of blasphemy. And he is the one on the cross that is indeed receiving that sin or has sinned against in the words of blasphemy. And as we think about this, we're offended, are we not? We're appalled. And yet, is God's name used any different in our world today? When we examine the second commandment and the use of God's name, how well is it kept? How well is it kept even by us? We are called to be faithful in, in using the command, the name of our Lord to, to avoid breaking his commands. But think how God's name is treated today. Is it not used as a curse word all around us? We have it trivialized even so much that now we just use three letters, OMG. We break this commandment, or this commandment is broken around us time and time again. And are we not even tempted to do that? But even if we are trying to be faithful, don't we get desensitized to it? It is such a part of our language today. God's name is taken so trivially, so often, in all ways, that, that we almost don't even notice it anymore. We almost give up on trying to defend it. It almost seems too tiring to speak up. And in our lack of defense, are we not giving in to those who are breaking it? 
we also break this commandment. But keep in mind, as Luther tells us, this commandment isn't just about what we're not to do with his name. This commandment is about what we are to do with his name. As Luther says, to call upon in every trouble, praise, and give thanks. So do we? Do we call upon him in every trouble? Do we pray him? Do we praise him? Do we give thanks? Do we call upon him in trouble? Is that the first thing that we do? Do we go to the Lord to ask him for his help? Or do we try to kind of fix things ourselves? When things go well, do we pause and offer a prayer of thanks? Or do we congratulate ourselves on what we've done and what we've accomplished? It's so easy to push this commandment to the side. It's so easy to, in our busyness of life, to set aside what God calls upon us in, in our prayer life, in our devotional life. See, this again goes against our human nature. Our human nature wants to focus on ourselves. We want to take pride in what we do and not rely upon anyone, not offer up any thanks, but to congratulate ourselves. We fail. We fail miserably in this commandment. But that's why it's good for us to see that the Lord keeps this commandment. He keeps it faithfully. And we see it in two examples today. He uses the name of his Father in a way that is right and in a way that is proper. The first prayer that he offers is when he's getting placed on the cross, when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He prays for the very people who he is crucifying, or crucifying him. And isn't this in accordance with the will of the Father? And isn't how God's name is supposed to be used? In accordance with God's command, in accordance with his will. And this is the ultimate will of the Father, right? The forgiveness. This is why the Son was sent. To bring about forgiveness of sins. To bring about salvation. This is why he took on the flesh. This is the will of the Father. And so this is a wonderful prayer. A prayer that indeed reminds us of what Christ came to do. It is striking that he offers this prayer for, for people to hear at the start of the crucifixion. Isn't he laying out to all, this is why he's on the cross? That the people who are, are mocking him and ridiculing him don't understand this. He is being the Christ by staying on the cross. This is what he came to do. He came to pay the price for sin so that your sin would be covered, my sin would be forgiven, that all of it would be taken because Jesus is taking the punishment for our sins. The second prayer that Luke records for us shows the trust of Jesus in his heavenly Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He had just received the wrath of the Father for our sake. He's, he's received the full punishment of sin upon himself, the sins of not only you and I, but the entire world. And having experienced that, having accomplished the task, he can now say, I commit my spirit to you. And in so doing, he's quoting a psalm, Psalm 31, a psalm that is an expression of complete trust and confidence in God. This prayer perfectly illustrates the keeping of the second commandment. It's calling upon the God in a time of trouble and trusting completely that the Father in heaven hears and answers. Jesus sets a powerful example for us that we can turn to a Lord who loves us and is there for us. Seeing Jesus' act of obedience on the cross, we see the forgiveness that is ours. 
He did what we could not do. He kept the law perfectly so that he could take the punishment upon himself. The wrath that we deserve is on him and not on us. And that prayer that he offered at the beginning, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, who's responsible for putting Jesus on the cross? Is it not our sins as well? Are we not equally responsible in the sense that, that he's going so that you would be forgiven? It's your sins that he's paying for. Is that prayer not for you? And is he not expressing to you today that as you look upon on the cross, that he is there for you so that you would be forgiven? And indeed, you are. And now, now we can respond with the proper use of this commandment. Why are we here today? but to offer our thanks and praise. Isn't that part of why we are here? To, to acknowledge and to give thanks for what sacrifice our Lord made so that we would be, be forgiven and that, that we could know that we are his children. As we examine the Lord's suffering and death, it is indeed with, with deep, thankful hearts for what he has done. And, and we praise him for, for being willing to offer that his own life so that we would have eternal life. And it is seeing the love that is expressed on the cross, this vision of love that, that can be found nowhere else, are we not enabled to place ourselves in his loving hands? If the Lord who is willing to, to go to the cross to suffer and die for you, is he not willing to give you all that you need? Can you not confidently go to him knowing that, that he knows what you need in every situation, in every time of trial, and even in time of joy? We see a love that not only wants us to, to call upon him, but promises to hear and to answer. A love that sends the Lord to the cross is a love that listens and a love that acts, a love that responds. Yes, in light of the Jesus crucifixion, we see the second commandment is more than a command. It isn't just a command to, to keep the name holy, but it's an invitation it's an invitation to come to a Lord who loves us, who died for us, who also rose for us. It's an invitation for us to not rely upon ourselves, but rely upon him. To know that there is a name by which we are saved and have salvation. A name that we can call upon in any situation and know that we can be heard. It is a name by which we place our trust, not only for this life, but for the life to come. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith to life everlasting. Amen.